Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. So let's get the show on the road. We'll have a look at the business stories that have been breaking overnight and indeed some other stories that have been happening during the week. Delighted to be joined all the way from Farmland, Indiana, from by Gina London, uh, the CEO of the Language of Leadership. Uh, she's with us. Also with us is Kieran Hancock, the business editor with the Irish Times. You're both very welcome to the programme. And Gina, I have to start with you, because as an American in Ireland, it was a huge week for you. Um, and we'll start with Pat Leahy's piece in the Irish Times, four days in the old country with old Joe. Um, in summary, tell us about your week. Tell us about what this means to Americans like yourself living in Ireland. And what did you make of it all? Oh, come on. You know what? It was for, first of all, there's no show like a Joe show. And right. I had my little Joe <laughs> Biden bingo card that was making the waves in the in the, in the the memes. And you had all the different, will he, will he say mayo for Sam? Yes, he did. Will he... Raise a pint. No, he didn't. He wasn't going to drink it. We all knew that. But he did, I think, really, as you say, a blinder yeah. in this country. And in all seriousness, to watch him last night in Ballina come out onto that stage with the lights blaring and the, and the sky had stopped raining, he really landed his maybe stump speech points that he might be using when he launches his reelection campaign later this next month is expected but sincerely for an 80 year old man to go four days well this is what i was and the the amount of of visits that he had and the amount of the the schedule it was very grueling for anybody of any age i had the opportunity as you were alluding to i was able to do some of the commentary along with the wonderful rte journalists that we were working alongside um, over the four days, and it was impressive, honestly, to see him over at Michael D. Higgins' home, over at the Oroctus, going over to Louth, going over to Mayo, and he kept up the pace, and from the uh, Irish perspective, it really demonstrated his personal commitment to his family, his heritage, what it means for the root, his roots, what it meant for him personally to come back and make good. He promised when he was vice president that he'd come back. Yeah. And he did in a personal capacity in, in 2017, but he came back. Really, this was the height of a career that started from the 1970s when he was senator from Delaware to be in this place. Yes, there was the hook of the Good Friday Peace Accord, but if I may, that was a small portion of what really was touching his heart as a human being. As, as an American, I was proud to see the reality and the authenticity and the genuineness of this man as he walked from place to place and spoke to people from his family members, his distant cousins, to his, his to the priest, Father Frank O'Grady, that he saw at the Knock Shrine by, that, that, by that gave his last rights to his that son. happened to be serving in Walter Reed Medical Center in Maryland in 2015 when sadly Joe Biden's oldest son, Bo, died of a, of a of brain cancer then and then in 2017 after he was no longer with obama and as a private citizen his distant cousin asked him to come and turn the sod on a hospice and had there was a memorial plaque now that he visited yesterday that talked about the memory of Bo that's entwined in this hospice now there in 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 County Mayo and the people that it serves. And he spent a lot of time and I think it showed his endurance. It showed his vigor. It showed his heart. And 
it, I think, also is a little bit of a preview of his need now to go make that campaign official in the United States on his home soil. And there was some speculation, apparently, that would he be announcing in the speech last night? And I kept saying to anyone who would listen, no way. That does not play in Peoria. Yeah, as you, we say, guys, you cannot do yeah. that on foreign soil. <clears throat> and he didn't. But he did get some... And his, his engines revved up, and I think he was really energized, as I said, when he came out on that stage last night. And I think he is waking up in Washington, D.C. later today then, and with a heart full of great memories. Now, as a quick aside, if I were his longtime campaign manager and sister Valerie, who ran around with him on this campaign, I would be advising him to end on a high, Joe. You've ticked every box. You've done it. But all indicators are that is not going to be the case okay. that he will run. <clears throat> Kieran Hancock, what did you make of the week? Uh, Joe Biden's visit, uh, looking at Pat Leahy's piece here in the Irish Times today. It, it seems to have been a success. I, I, I have to say I agree with what Gina says there about the sheer energy of the man. Like That was a, a gruelling schedule for, for any person, never mind an 80-year-old. Yeah, for sure. On my way in here, actually, on one of the news bulletins, it might have been news talks even, um, I'm sure it was, it was described as a nostalgic visit, and I, I think that's uh, that, that probably hits the nail on the head. I think in terms of Ireland Inc., it's probably it was a good visit uh, because it solidifies the kind of economic relationship, if you like, uh, between us. And um, I think it's good for tourism, for American people yeah. um, to sort of see their uh, president going to all of these hotspots in Ireland. They think, oh, you know, uh, let's we should think about going there. And I think also uh, a number of American companies have used the visit as an opportunity to announce some investments. And to, just to remind us all that we're here, we have a picture in the Irish Times today. If you haven't already got your copy, get out to the shop and buy it now <laughs> of Abbott. Uh, and they were... Uh, they're in Ireland a long time. They're in Ireland a long time. Yeah. They have a new facility in Kilkenny and they used the visit to publicise this. They had Simon Harris down there and they were digging the first sods uh, for this new facility. That's going to have 800 jobs uh, in a couple of years time when it's up and running. So, you know, all of those kind of relationships are really important uh, to Ireland. And, you know, it's no harm for Ireland, I think, if Joe Biden is running again and is in the White House for another uh, four years, because well, things were a little different under the Trump presidency. Oh, abs absolutely. I mean, Trump made made fun of this visit because he, first of all, when he was here for like five minutes at the Shannon, when he came through and he didn't even know that there wasn't a border wall in, in between the North and the South. I mean, that was a shambles of a visit. Well, but back to the point. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say we're yeah. probably never going to have <laughs> as close a relationship you know I suppose genetically with uh, an American president ever not. again and certainly not maybe someone that uh, that cares about it and talks about it and quotes Irish poets as, as much as as Joe Biden but back to the point that that I want to touch on that 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 Kieran talked about the Ireland Inc element is really powerful when you think about the Department of Agriculture secretary who was here sitting at a table at the Dublin Castle with his counterpart from the Irish side and the conversations that they're having and the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, who's who was over and the, that those levels of relationships, they didn't have to have bilateral deep conversations. Yeah. They could drink a glass of wine or have a Guinness. These are fellas we can call. That's it. Your yeah. calls will get returned because you've struck some wonderful, warm relationships. And it does make sense that if he does win in 2024, then he will be able to have many of those cabinet members will continue, those staffers will continue, and those relationships will grow even stronger. So there are some so really good, good seeds that are being planted during this trip.
He didn't spend very long in Northern Ireland, but there did seem to be a suggestion that if they get the executive back up and running, a lot of US investment would begin to flow into Yeah, I think that was the carrot he was dangling. And again, he couldn't push, he probably couldn't say too much in that sense, but he certainly alluded to it that if you guys can get your your act together. He talked about your your peace is your prosperity and you essentially said you're going to get more investment if you can get your government up and running. Um, I just want to go back to Pat Lee here because I love the quote that he had in today's (laughs) paper. He says, and now he's the president. His obvious decency, empathy and old school democratic uh, and democratic centralist values were preferred uh, three years ago by middle America to a second term uh, for the grandiose uh, buffoonery and kleptocratic cynicism of Donald Trump. Whether you'd vote for him or not, you couldn't imagine Biden paying hush money to a porn star. Come on, and that is <laughs> such a great slide, and it is setting up the framing for the the potential two running the two people running in the in the campaign in twenty twenty four. You have one man whose language is of dignity, values, family, and demonstrated that personally when he was here in Ireland, and embodied in Joe Biden, and then you have another person who uses language like American <clears throat> carnage as he's taking his oath of office when Donald Trump was inaugurated. These types of divisive words and the fiery rhetoric that you get from Donald Trump, not to mention the legalities that are swirling around him. I mean, he's already indicted in Manhattan, but we've got the Department of Justice. We've got the we've got the situation in Georgia. It's just the first of the dominoes. And the Constitution does not prohibit a candidate from running for office and even serving if they're behind bars. It is yeah. a little bit depressing, though, isn't it, that a, an 80-year-old man uh, could potentially be taking on a man in his late 70s to be the next... Uh, uh, well, uh, when you talk about a country of 300 million-odd people and you end up... And again, it's no disrespect to Joe Biden. He's an elderly man. And with the best will in the world, it's really going to be hard for him to create the energy that's needed. Like, he's, he, he, he did it in an admirable way this week, but it's hard to see how you know, a man of his years. The age of retirement, of course, the United States is 67. It doesn't pertain to the people that are serving in public office. I was speaking yesterday after he did such a great a great speech to a buddy of mine who who runs Biden's campaign out campaign management out in the West. And I said, Greg, this is just the beginning. He cannot run this this campaign like he did in 2020 from his home. He has to crisscross the country. He Does he really have the stamina? And he says, Gina, if I hear that one more time, we've heard that a million times. I'm like, okay, okay. And the point there is, he's going to do it. And the Democratic Party doesn't run the politics like a business. There's no one that's going to come forward and say, hey, it's time to retire, and here's your gold watch, and here's all the photos and the brick from Knock Shrine that will keep you company and in keep you happy in your golden age. He is going to run and the Democratic Party is going to stay with him. They will not put someone forward for the primary to run against him. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Well, it's great to have you this week in the week that's in it, Gina. So uh, thanks for your excellent analysis and again, your contribution indeed to the week that was. Kieran, back to more matters, more mundane. Um, Further decline in property prices expected, but demand should help to avoid collapse. Also, we're seeing the Irish Mail, house prices fall as rising interest rates spark loan fears. So we're definitely seeing, you know, the effect of interest rates 
coming home to roost. But there's still so much demand out there that they're probably, well, this is what I'm reading from this, that it's probably not going to kill the market. Yeah, so look, a lot of data points in the um, figures that came out this week from the Central Statistics Office. So what it's showing is that on an annual basis, prices are still going up, but that uh, price growth has softened. But if you look at it on a month by month basis, the prices are down. So that's the kind of key trend. Yeah. If you look at January and February, um, prices have started to uh, slip backwards. Uh, so it depends where you are in the property market as to whether this is a good thing or not. If you're trying to get your foot on the property ladder, obviously this is potentially a good thing. If you're trying to sell a home, uh, it's it's less so because you want to maximise the value you can get for yourself. There's no doubt, I think, that um, the uh, rise in interest rates that we've seen over the past uh, year or so is beginning to uh, bite in terms of demand. I had Michael O'Flynn, the Cork property developer, on my uh, podcast. Uh, very interesting character. A very interesting character, yeah. And somebody who's building a lot of homes. He reckons he'll, he'll uh, complete about 400 homes this year. And he was saying that he's definitely seeing um, a softening in demand and a few purchasers have actually pulled back who had expressed an interest in buying some of his new units. So, And these are typically, you know, first time buyers. Um, he, he's building for first time buyers largely. So that, that's an interesting uh, yeah. kind of dynamic. And I think we'll probably see more of that uh, because we're, we're probably going to see more interest rate increases from the ECB this year. Yeah, Gina, I was looking at the, uh, they, they took an example in the mail about a, a, a buyer borrowing 300,000 over 30 years, uh, could have got a 2% mortgage rate, and then that would be a repayment of about 1,100 euros a month. And they're saying to have, with the interest rate rises now, it, to, to maintain that repayment of 1,100 euros a month on a, on a 300,000 pound or euro mortgage, uh, property values would need to fall by 30%. So it, that is unlikely to happen. Well, that's exactly right. And it's it's a concern when you're trying to buy your first house or any house for that matter, to have the mo- much money that you need for the down payment and also be considering how much you need to have every month. And when those interest rates go up, it might be something that would actually preclude you from being able to enter yeah. and actually own your home. And not to mention the fact that this in this country, frankly, it is a very long and arduous process from the time that you get approved to that you can actually go through all the different inspections and the banks. And I mean, one of my dear friends who are a couple from the United States, it took them six months from the time that identified and being pre-approved to actually go through the process. And, and then you often have to get then, re-approved. Exactly. That's my point. Yeah. And then the rates have increased even during that time. And so yeah. it's, it's a very interesting situation when you contrast the housing buying process alongside these numbers in Ireland with my brother in Florida who just bought a house and it took him three weeks. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's yeah. a tricky situation. One, just one very quickly, um, Bobby, another element to this, the employment uh, numbers in this country. We've been writing a lot uh, recent in recent months about uh, job losses in the tech sector and that's obviously important, but we haven't seen in the overall employment numbers in the country any softening as yet. So uh, employment is still very strong. A lot of people at at work, uh, there's huge demand out there and we know that we're not going to build enough houses to meet the demand. So there's that element to it as well. It's not just all about interest rates. And also, you know, if you look at the, again, looking at the bigger picture stuff, if high played, you know, employees working for multinationals can't find a place to live, like it, it all, it all interconnects at some level. Yeah, it does, and you know, but it can take a while for that to yeah. sort of play through and uh, show up in the statistics. As well, you have you there, uh, Karen, an interesting uh, business story from Lee's side, uh, which is that Cork 
based uh, work vivo uh, bought by the tech giant zoom it's on the front page of the irish examiner so it certainly is a cork story but a good business story Okay. It's a good business story. Yeah, I was leading our markets uh, coverage in the paper today. Um, so WorkVivo is involved in internal uh, communications. It's a, an internal communications platform that companies uh, use. They've uh, some interesting clients like uh, Ryanair, uh, for example, example uh, Liberty Mutual, uh, um, among others. And it's been acquired by Zoom and everybody's come to know Zoom, obviously, uh, during <laughs> the pandemic. No price given. But what we do know is that uh, WorkVivo raised uh, just over $40 million uh, in various uh, fundraisings. I had a look at their uh, company filings just before coming on here. Uh, they go back to 2021, but it shows they made a loss that year of 6.6 million euro. Okay. So I'm um, not sure that they're, I mean, they may well be in profit now, who knows, but uh, not sure about that. We may. Well, that 41 million was had to be spent somewhere. It had to be spent somewhere, yeah, yeah. obviously. Now, it's a, it's a young company. Um, uh, they were doing turnover that year of uh, 6.4 million euro and I think the previous year was uh, 1.5 so you can see they're on a on a growth path uh, not sure what the figures are for this year obviously but uh, clearly they were growing and obviously Zoom liked the look at them um, and has acquired it and uh, well you know it's a and I think, Gina, that uh, Eric Wan, uh, the Zoom founder, uh, may have been an early investor here. Yeah, he was an angel investor of this company. And when you think about WorkVivo as six years old, and from my former home, home home city of Cork, where I was proud to live before I moved up to Dublin. So you think about, though, these in, these innovative companies, these startups that, in particular, this one, as it was focusing on engagement and peer recognition and a software platform that, that was helping people. They formed in 2017. They got a lot of money from a variety of investors, as you mentioned, including the founder of Zoom, Eric Wan. So it's largely, in many ways, not a surprise that Zoom acquired them. And yet, here's what I think about about Zoom, only 12 years old, as even just in the last year, their numbers started dipping a little yeah. bit after the <clears throat> rise and all of everybody using them during during pandemic and lockdown. So they have to start diversifying their offers, offerings and their services. So it makes sense in the last in the last four acquisitions that Zoom has made, and those are the only ones that, that I could find that they've that they've done. Those those acquire those companies that they've acquired have been in diverse consumer employee support avenue so that they're in, yeah. they're broadening their offering so that they're not leaning just heavily on that one yeah the, no that the, makes the sense and it does make the, sense from a standpoint would, uh, and it makes sense that they would be looking at work vivo because that's another facet of their portfolio and because as you mentioned eric juan would already know work vivo and they'd have been on their radar screen and seen as something that they could make more viable as they're expanding than trying to leverage their impact all right, well, good luck to John Goulding and Joe Lennon, uh, who founded WorkVivo in 2017. It looks like a, a good day for them. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Kieran, to uh, the Irish Stock Exchange. Again, I'm trying to work out what's going on there, but we see that Diageo finally quits the Irish stock market, but I'm not sure they were ever really there, were they? Uh, well, in recent times. No, it's a bit of a legacy uh, of the... Guinness acquisition many, many years ago. Uh, the company wasn't even called Diageo uh, back then, but it, it retained the Irish uh, stock market listing as a result of, of that. Uh, but the shares hadn't been traded since 2002 yeah. out of Dublin. So, But symbolically, it's a it's a big thing for the Irish stock market. And it comes at a time when CRH, which is the biggest company by a country mile on the Irish market, is uh, is planning to delist from Dublin because it wants a US listing. It wants to be on the S&P 500. And uh, one of the conditions of that is essentially 
essentially it can't have a, a secondary listing in Dublin. We also have Flutter, which owns Paddy Power, the gambling company. They're looking at uh, an American listing. So there's a question mark now over whether they'll retain the Dublin listing as well. And of course, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of companies uh, leave the Dublin stock market over uh, recent years. And more recently, Green Reit and Hibernia Reit were uh, taken over. There's a question mark now over Iris Reit, which is the biggest private landlord in the country. There's an activist investor there once, uh, you know, once a once a deal of some sort uh, to happen. Um, so what does that mean for the Irish Stock Exchange? Well, you know, what's what's the, like what's it's the all, future of your next Dublin? It, 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 it seems to be trading. all bad news with with you know, yeah, with 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 uh, people who've been there for a long time leaving the exchange. So. You know, I know. The, I think there might have been some upside of uh, some new ones that came in, but it really is an exodus. Um, it's an exodus. Yeah, I mean, there are still some big stocks like uh, Ryanair, for <coughs> example. Uh, but that was one of the newer ones. Yeah. Uh, well, they moved yeah, from London, didn't they? Uh, well, no, Ryanair has been listed for oh, a long time now, over like well over twenty years. But and um, they do have a secondary listing uh, in uh, in they do have a listing in the US. But you have others like Kerry Group and and Glombea. Now, mind you, Kerry Group was looking at a deal in the US a few years ago, which probably would have taken it off the could have taken it off the Irish uh, stock market. And Glombea is now reporting in dollars because that's where the centre of gravity for Glombea is. So who knows? Um, who knows what the future holds, but definitely Euronex Dublin uh, is going to be weakened as a result of all these companies yeah. leaving the index. Uh, Gina, um, Kieran mentioned Ryanair there. Manufacturing issues puts delivery of Ryanair's Boeing jetliners in doubt. Uh, Irish Airline had been expecting 24 new Boeing 737 MAX planes by June. Uh, there seems to be some issue around the supply of these. Yeah, and this is a frustrate. This is a <coughs> continuing frustration for Ryanair, which, as we know, that company doesn't hold back on being vocal about its frustrations. And so, the Seattle-based manufacturer has indicated as of Friday that they've got a problem with their supplier. Their su- one of their suppliers, apparently the fittings suppliers, and they're saying that now they think that they will actually be delaying the delivery of those. 24 new Boeing Max planes, as you said, and that that is really a concern because that when we've got summer around the corner, we were supposed to get all of these planes. They've already they've already asked and ordered 210 of these Max jets and they received 60 last year. And there initially was a question like, well, do these fittings have an impact in safety? And the answer on that coming back from Boeing is no. But we don't have any actual certainty on when these new planes will be arriving as we're looking into the summer rush. And of course, Ryanair is making sure that they are saying that it will not impact their passengers, but it is a concern as they're waiting for these ongoing <coughs> on well, I think we probably arrive. read more to read on that story. Indeed. And staying with going on a Ryanair holiday, Kieran. Mm. Um, families rush to book summer holidays despite costs rising by as much as 70%. So we're out of here to hell with the cost. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, think after, on the sun. I think after two years or more being locked down because <laughs> of the pandemic, people are keen to get away and uh, get some sunshine as well. The weather this week has been pretty mixed, as you know. So it looks as if families are going to uh, be spending, according to some estimates, uh, on average €2,800 for their summer break. Um, 34% of them admitted that they may now opt for a cheaper destination, but uh, prices are going up. And look, anybody who's been looking at booking their holiday for this year will notice I think we're probably immune at this stage to rising prices because it's in every facet of our life yeah. uh, pretty much now and double digit increases as well but there's there's no doubt that 
uh, traveling abroad this summer is going to be much more expensive than it was uh, pre-pandemic. I can recommend a staycation over at Ballina. It looked amazing last <laughs> night. Come right on over there. That was a great advertisement you can guarantee for the those. <laughs> you won't. What about um, Irish holidaymakers? Oh, they're worth eight billion to the global travel trade, uh, with nine point point. Four million outbound trips yeah. taken from Ireland in 2019. I did the maths on that. Is 851 euro uh, per person. Is wow, well, well done right. on doing that yeah. math. That sounds about right. And you know, you think we're mm. the top vacation destinations then as people are looking for their sun and it is the sun so maybe not Ballin although there was a rainbow yesterday and it did hold out as Joe Biden was speaking but where do, where do Irish vacationers want to go? Spain, France, Italy. And so the flights are more expensive because of the high price of oil. And if you haven't booked it yet, don't wait for the last minute to try to get a reduction because according to this article anyway, there's not going to be any last minute low cost. So book them now before you can't get over there at all. And you will go to Ballina and be happy about it. And finally then, Kieran, um, it's a big day in racing um rachel uh, is hoping uh, for more racing history uh, that's rachel blackmore um she's a big day today in the grand national um but will, she'll have to see off her boyfriend and biggest <laughs> rival brian hayes to do it that must be interesting uh, if you're uh, in a grand national riding a horse against your boyfriend yeah i think they've ridden against each other in grand nationals a couple of times before um her horse is called ain't that a shame yeah. hopefully that won't be the story of the day for her but uh, i'll put a hex on her by uh, by by tipping her to win it yeah, um, Brian Hayes, he's on Mr. Incredible. Um, are you going to have a best, Gina? Absolutely. I mean, look, if you think about it, there's the top 20 trainers of the horses that are in it, or the 15 of the top 20 horses that are up on the, the betting boards right now. The 15 of those are Irish. And so you think about the 40 horses in the field, 27 of them are trained Irish. And so for something that I think is, interestingly, Britain's most famous and popular race is looking to be run one once again by an Irish horse. If it's not Brian, if it's not Rachel, then likely it's going to be a horse that was trained here in Ireland. And that's something to be proud of. So it hasn't been even since 2017 that Britain can claim the uh, crown over at Aintree. So they'll all be gathered here. The starting gate gets going at, what, 5 o'clock or so this afternoon? Uh, 5.15 5 in Aintree. 5.15 yeah. officially in Raintree, and it's going to be hopefully not well, Raintree. And I'm going, to have a fiver, <laughs> I'm going to have a fiver each way on Galvin. It's listed here. I see it. 22 to 1. Uh, if you do have any tips out there, we would we will uh, take them with. Uh, uh, it's five three one zero six. It'll only cost you thirty cent. But now you can WhatsApp us your tips for free. And thanks for a great review of the papers. Really, really thrilled to talk to you about Joe Biden and all uh, the bits around that. Gina London and Kieran Hancock. Thank you for a great review of the papers. Down to business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at eleven on News Talk.